just doing right by the customer comes in. Like uh, one of the things that I've always, uh, I've al- I'm always proud of the fact that I will always tell my customers the the truth at the end of the day. Like uh, one of my early managers told me this that you know, uh, bad news will never age well is what he he told me, and it really stuck with me. That that thing really mm-hmm. stuck with me. Where if there is something not right, if there is something that you need to rectify, let them know. They're, they're people at the end of the day. Hey there, navigators. Today we are joining Prabhu Bharathi, who is a friend of mine, and I wanted to get him on the show because, honestly, he sort of changed a few of my perspectives a few years ago, and I wanted to catch up with him and share his story with you um, and just sort of go through how his career trajectory has been and some of his philosophies, and I think you will all be enlightened. So without further ado, welcome, Prabhu. How are you doing? Hey, Preston. How are you? Thanks for having me. Yeah, no problem, man. Okay, so the first thing I like to start out each episode with is, you know, just in a few minutes, tell us, you know, who you are, what you do, and how you got there. Like, what was your journey? Sure. So, so right now I'm a staff systems engineer uh, here at VMware, and my focus is on a specific product called NSX. Uh, without going into a lot of the product itself, what, what a staff systems engineer or systems engineer is effectively doing is think of them as the, uh, the technical arm for a sales team. So you're pr- primarily driving technical solutions, you're delivering presentations, design implementation guidance to customers, uh, you gather customer requirements and you kind of map what their business objectives are with uh, a, a technology solution. So that's what I've been, I'm, I currently do at VMware, and I did that previously uh, at my previous company, called, which was called Juniper Networks. And uh, uh, I spent a good portion of almost eight years at Juniper Networks, and uh, I came up through the ranks uh, from supporting a proof of concept lab, and I basically moved into field sales. Uh, before all all of that, I actually came to America to actually pursue my uh, graduate degree. So I finished my master's in telecom, and then uh, before that, I spent uh, most of my life in India, in Bombay, uh, and I got my bachelor's there. So uh, it's been a long journey when I when I kind of look back from where I started and where I am today. So it's a it's a very interesting journey indeed. So okay, so let's. Uh... Let's start from the beginning because I know you and I have talked before about this and, you know, this is one thing that I kind of wanted to share. Um, I spent a lot of time on Reddit and a few subreddits that are, you know, focused on, you know, people getting into technology careers and, and computer science and, and something that comes up over and over and over again is, hey, I'm, you know, having a hard time you know, with immigration and how do you even get a job in the United States? Can you, can you sort of 
speak to that? Because I know that's definitely, I'm a citizen. Like, I, I haven't <laughs> experienced that. Yeah, it is tough. I won't lie. Like, so when when I did decide to move to America to pursue my master's, uh, that, that definitely was one of the big considerations that, hey, what am I prospects going to be like like is this going to be an area where i can move to and find a decent job you know because uh, mm-hmm. there is a significant investment that you're making as an international student in getting an education here in america and once that is done uh the, the, there are a couple of different ways that most people end up doing it but the the simplest way and most most people that you will speak to who end up getting a job in America go through which is go through something which is called employment based um, immigration so that's basically what I went through a lot of my friends went through pretty much every single person that I knew from my master's program who was an who was an immigrant they went through the same program uh, without getting into a lot of the gory details the 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 net of it is that the, the the employer has to show reason for you to be in this country and continue to be employed. That that takes care of, that's the employment-based uh, system. Now, uh, there are some there are some challenges with that system as you may have read in the news and things like that. But you have to show good reason for why you need to be employed. And it does come, there's just given the backlog of how how stressed the system is, it does come in the way every now and then when you are looking for uh, growth opportunities in your career, as an example, like say, hey, today I do X, I do this job. Tomorrow I want to go be a manager. I have to go tell the immigration service that, hey, by the way, I'm going to change a job. I need to go and do become a manager. These are, these are some of the challenges that people end up running into. And uh, a lot of it depends on the employer themselves. So if you have a very good employer, which I was very fortunate to have, uh, they, mm-hmm. they will wholeheartedly support you in these things. It's some employers, maybe not. So uh, there are a lot of caveats. There are a lot of things. And uh, you can ask any person who has gone through this process. And I've gone through it. My sister has gone through it. Uh, it it de- definitely takes up a lot of time and resources on not just the candidate themselves, but even on the on the employers, the, the amount of paperwork that needs to get filed is, is pretty significant mm-hmm. to show all of these things. So uh, there are a lot of hoops to jump through and it becomes a, it becomes at the end of the day, you kind of get used to it mm-hmm. uh, and you just learn to live with it at the end of the day. Gotcha. I, I did, honestly, I did not know that, that if you were going to get a raise or, you know, a promotion to a different position that you had to do that. That's, that's completely new to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it's because the way it is structured is that they are showing the need for you to be part of this company. Like if we take VMware as an example, they basically show mm-hmm. that, hey, I need this person because he or she has a skill set that is needed for this position. But if I wanted to do what you do as an example, like Preston, like if I wanted to show that, hey, I'm going to go become and do this, now the requirements suddenly change. It's now no longer what Probably is able to do it now. I need to map what Preston is able to do, so it, it's a it's, gotcha. it, it matters like what you end up doing in that sense. Gotcha. Okay, so so you've been doing this for you know you know a, a number of years, right? Mm-hmm. Um, if you were just fresh into technology, right, mm-hmm. and 
And uh, well, actually, I don't want to go there just yet because I'm very excited for you because we were talking and you said, oh, man, you know, I want to make staff like that's that's what I want to do. So so share what that is and sort of let's let's walk through what being an SE is and like some of the challenges there and then what staff means because I had never heard of that before and we had a good conversation about it and I'd love to share that with people. Yeah, so so as an SE itself, uh, well, let me break that apart into two separate things. So as an SE, most people will feel like, hey, I'm, I'm supposed to be a technologist. I want to be a technologist. They're they, they want to focus on that, but being an SE or being a sales engineer is a little more than that. Like there are a lot of ancillary things that you have to develop a keen sense for. Like, hey, uh, why is this customer interested in this? Is are there other competitors in this in this in this um, in this deal that I'm working on? Uh, there will be very good highs that you would have and there would be some very crushing lows that you will go through because the customers could decide to buy something totally different for no fault of yours. You could have the absolute best technology in the world, but you will still end up losing. So those are things that you have to just learn to kind of roll with the punches to, to put it uh, to put it very bluntly. Uh, but uh, the other thing I always talk about with a lot of my friends who are looking at um, moving into an SE position is uh, just switching context, you know. A lot of us, when we're not in this role, we're focused on one or two or maybe five areas of technology on any given day. But here you're moving from different verticals. Like as an example, like I cover uh, customers who are in who are law firms. I cover, I talk to uh, tier two banks. There are pharmas, pharmaceutical companies. So every customer that I meet has a different set of requirements. So now taking the same piece of technology and being able to map that to each one of these industries, you're constantly switching context all throughout the day. So you have to be able to be able you have to be able to adapt to these situations quickly so that's, that's those are some things that just people should know when it comes to being a sales engineer in that sense uh, now when it comes to just the way how well, we were talking about how how you grow into being a staff se staff se at vmware is think of it like uh, one of if not the the highest but like it's one it's you get you on the path to becoming one of the more senior members of uh, the systems engineering organization. So you have a little more responsibility than some of your peers in terms of training others, things like that. Mm -hmm. Now, everyone, if you put all the people that I work with, they're extremely talented, super smart people. Now, how do you make a case with your management team to promote you? That's where I talk, uh, I've talked to a lot of my friends and what they always talk, and this is something that I learned through talking to a lot of my mentors is uh, building your brand. Uh, that, you know, being good at technology is is one thing, but also building your personal brand around these areas, uh, being able to talk to customers, being able to talk to your coworkers, being able to, you know, drive certain projects on your own, being a self-starter. These are all things that will make you make your brand overall and take you forward and that's what will help propel you into uh, any any organization what i'm actually saying is not necessarily just specific to my current organization these are this is something that i've 
I struggled with uh, at the beginning of my career. And I've, I've learned this over, over time. And I, I hope to be able to share this with other people as, as I can. Yeah. So, okay, let's, let's, um, let's touch on one thing that you brought up because I, I always try and work it in, but, but you brought it up. So we're going to go there. Mm-hmm. Um, I, let's talk about mentorship. Like mm-hmm. what has that meant to you and how have you, uh, asked for mentorship and mm-hmm. then, and, and then how do you mentor others? Yeah, that that's a very very important key thing for me because uh, like I'll pick on an example like I'll go back a couple of years uh, I was uh, I was helping I was at at Jimber Networks I was a proof of concept lab engineer at that time and uh, one of the field SEs that I used to work with uh, very closely he one day was like hey you know what you should consider moving into being a field SE and I was like. I don't know. I don't want the. I don't want the stresses of uh, having a number associated with me. I'm actually very happy. He's like, consider it. And then we we spoke about it quite frequently. And then I got a chance to shadow him for a while and see like what he does on a day to day basis. And then he basically was able to mentor me through the process and say, hey, how do you actually go transform yourself into this position? Like that's one one form of thing where it was. I asked for a little bit of help to help define goals for myself. And he was very happy to oblige and help guide me through that process. Uh, And several people uh, in that process have helped me throughout the years to help refine things that I was good at. Uh, And I'll give you an example. Even during my my first SE job interview process, like um, there was a question that was asked, like, hey, why would a customer leverage MPLS? Just explain that. And I was like, you know, I'm going to talk to you about fast reroute. I'm going to talk to you about all these packets that can get routed and switched at, at scale and blah, 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 blah. But the, mm-hmm. the, the interviewer at that time stopped me and he was like, but, but why? Like, you, you still haven't answered the why. And obviously I didn't get the job at the time, but then I asked, I asked, for, I asked for feedback at the end saying, hey, what did I do wrong? And he was like, you're, you're very good technically, but you missed a very key answer of the why. Like you, you did not talk about the business value. That was again, something that I needed to fine tune. And that was the kind of mentorship and help that I got along the way. So I, I, I'm, a, I'm a huge believer in asking for things like that. Like, hey, if you can mm-hmm. get feedback from your peers, that's the best form of feedback that you can get. And don't take anything too seriously in that sense. Like if someone is telling you that, hey, you are not doing this properly, there must be a reason why. Like if they're, if they're giving you feedback, it's up to you to take it or leave it. So you can decide how you want to do it. I've always been a very open person, you know me. So I, yeah. I always like to get feedback, positive, negative, whatever it is. I'm sure there's a reason why they're saying what they're saying, right? Mm-hmm. So that's what I end up uh, doing. And a lot of my friends uh, that I've met over the years ask me for help with similar things. And I kind of give them the whole thing. Like I had a buddy who was trying to be an SE and he asked me one time and he's like, Hey, what do you like? What do you don't like? And I kind of, kind of tell them the exact things that I told you that there will be days that you, you feel like, Hey, this is completely out of my control, but that's the nature of what you're signing up for. So if you, mm-hmm. if you're not, if you're not up for that, maybe not the right 
career move but then i'm happy to i'm happy to know that he actually went and took the job finally so uh i'm, I'm a huge believer in mentorship and asking for mentorship that you're you're never done so you always want to keep finding uh and leveraging your your extended network to find uh find mentors in your field maybe not in your field however you want to do it i think it's definitely a key driver for me yeah so i want to touch on something because uh i know what you mean but but somebody who's newer may not understand a phrase that you said and you said oh well you know i realize i'll be having a number what what does that mean and and sort of like delve into that and and tell tell my listeners how that sort of shapes your world from time to time yeah so what that means is that effectively if you look at most sales teams, sales teams are aligned with uh, a region. So like, for example, in my case, I have New York, New Jersey region, and I have a set of accounts, and I'm basically given a number. Uh, whatever that number is, that's how you're, you're basically gauged at the end of the day, how you are able to uh, bring in revenue. That's, that's the gauge of success for you in the field team. As a field team, that's what your gauge and barometer for success at the end of the day is. Now, it's not like, hey, you don't meet your number, you're going to get get kicked out. But at least that's your metric for success. And you want to be able to hit hit that number. And, and that's where the competitive nature for most people will start kicking in, where, hey, I want to be able to hit this on a, on a consistent basis. Uh, it can be fun, but it can also be extremely nerve-wracking when you, you, you're not able to hit that. But at the same time, those are all challenges that I would rather tell people to be aware of right away uh, rather than them finding out the hard way and going like, yeah, not ex- this is not exactly what I signed up for. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and um, you know, one thing that I think is interesting, you know, I, I'm I, personally, I'm, I'm fascinated with the life of SEs and, and, and sales folks, but I, it was interesting even, even today, um, I, I had one of those days, Prabhu, and you know, I'm not necessarily part of the sales arm, but uh, we sort of had a project mm-hmm. dis- disintegrate today, and it was a very large project, like mm-hmm. multiple seven figures. <laughs> and um, I was just hanging out with the sales guy who was in charge of it afterwards, and he said, man, you know, <sighs> I just have to shake this off. Yeah. But, that's going to make my number really hard this year. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's so interesting because I feel like when people are consultants or, you know, if we're on the other side of the desk, right, we're, we're working with, you know, the sales people and the sales engineers. It's like, I, I feel like people sometimes don't have that perspective of, well, yeah, they're pushing hard because like, this is their metric, mm-hmm. right? Like you need to get a project done, Mr. Customer, but I need to have X, you know, X number of revenue brought in so that I can justify me being here. So. Yeah, and since sometimes you you have to, it's a fine balance, right? Like we have to do right by the customers, what is mm-hmm. needed for them, what is right by them. But it's it's a fine balance at the end of the day. Like uh, by doing right, I don't want to put myself in a situation where I'm not going to be around to help you anymore, right? Yeah. Uh, you have to make, and that's where a lot of the stuff that around, you know, just doing right by the customer comes in. Like uh, one of the things that I've always uh, 
I'm always proud of the fact that I will always tell my customers the the truth at the end of the day. Like um, one of my early managers told me this, that, you know, uh, bad news will never age well is what he, he told me. And it really stuck with me that that thing really mm-hmm. stuck with me where if there is something not right, if there is something that you need to rectify, let them know they're they're people at the end of the day, right? They will understand if as it's required and you will help build credibility with them. And those are just things that I've really, uh, those are things that I've really taken to heart at the end of the day to uh, understand what this, this role entitles. But you're right, at the, uh, sometimes you, you, you have to shake it off and get up and move on to the next, uh, next project and you go hunt the next deal. But, uh, those are those are just things that you end up getting used to uh, with uh, with with the sales role. Yeah. Okay. So let's shift gears here a little bit. So you have a unique vantage point in that you are dealing with you know customer after customer in a lot of different you know a lot of different markets. Um, and because you're in New York and New Jersey, you work with some really big customers. Mm-hmm. So you probably have a unique perspective into what is it that's new and upcoming that's, that are skills that people can focus on now that will make them super, super desirable as employees, you know, in the next few years, like what, what do people need to start learning now? Yeah, that's a very good question. I always ask myself this because like I I can pick on my own trajectory for a second and then I'll tell you what I'm seeing in the marketplace, right? Like when I first started, I started as a pure network engineer. Like I worked with uh, the Park Lab. I was doing pure routing switching in my career at that time. Uh, somewhere along the way in like I would say 2010 is uh, when one of my managers uh, actually pinged me and he was like, hey, do you want to learn this VMware ESXi thing? We need a, a guy who can focus on data center and virtualization. And I was like, hmm, interesting. Let me go look at this thing. And that that was around the time that ESXi 5 was actually rolling around. And mm-hmm. it had like the, the virtual distributed switch and blah, 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 all that fun stuff, right? So that was a, my first exposure to vSphere. And that was the time I was like, hmm, this is something I, can, I need to learn for me to be successful, just not in my day job. But I definitely think that this is something that's going to be very, very useful for me in the long run. So I learned that. Then I came to, then I became a field SE. And that's where I started getting exposed to software-defined networking and NSX and things like that. And that's where I let, it led me to being in my current job. Now, in my current job as well, like what I start seeing when I talk to a lot of my customers is the the the, the big move into public cloud as an, as a, as the next as the as an evolution. Not that public cloud is the next big thing, but there's still a lot of different options for customers to evaluate when they're considering uh, going into the public cloud. So I would say, if you're a network engineer and you're looking at moving uh, moving and finding out, hey, what do I go learn next? Uh, mm-hmm. I would I would definitely put like just public cloud as a, as one of the top things to focus on in in the coming in the coming months. Like if you can go do some training using Udemy or any of the training platforms that 
are out there, go take a small course. Understand how networking is set up in AWS. I think it will help your career immensely at the end of the day. The second one that I definitely see a lot of traction for is around containers. Uh, containers as, a, as an ecosystem is, is, is really growing rapidly and people are adapting to it. So that's another area that I see. Uh, a huge a, a huge investment that I think people can make in building their brand and building, uh, uh, building their knowledge around. And uh, the third thing uh, is, is something that I'm very uh, interested in doing this year. And like, I like to do this little exercise at the beginning of each year is to like, hey, I, I want to achieve certain things, but I, I want to do a lot of things. But like, let me whittle down the list and make five things that I want to hit by the end of this year. So like, mm-hmm. and one of the things that actually popped to the top of my list this year is uh, get a better understanding of blockchain, like what blockchain is. Like, I'm, 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 and I'm not talking about cryptocurrency in the form of Bitcoin or anything, but just blockchain as an underlying mechanism. Like, how does that work and where can we use it? Like, and you, that's an area personally I feel is extremely lucrative if you can actually go understand what it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are just so many different use cases that you can actually go work on and you you will make yourself a very, very uh, sought after candidate if you're able to go learn some of these skills. Now, there there's tons more that you can go and uh, learn, obviously, like there's, um, there's a software-defined WAN, there's all these other areas. But personally, I think this is just Prabhu's opinion, uh, take it for what it is, but like that's just the, the three areas that I see people can really make a difference if they're able, if they invest some time and go learn some of these new skills, I think they can definitely make, uh, make an impact. Okay. I, uh, I, I've heard the first two, cloud and containers. I have not, I mean, obviously, yes, I've, I've heard a ton about blockchain, but I think you're maybe my first, first guest so far that's actually talked about blockchain. So that's, that's interesting. So I know you work with a lot of uh, financial people. Are they investigating how to use this at all? Like, do they talk about it or... Yeah, definitely. I think everyone, I think, is that's the reason why I bring up blockchain is because it's one of those technologies. It's been around for a while. Uh, people still end up conflating blockchain with Bitcoin, which is, which is more common than you would expect. And it's one of those things that is still in like an exploratory phase. Like I think it's mm-hmm. people are still looking at it with like a little bit of skepticism that, Hey, I don't fully get this. Like, I don't understand this. So it, it, it and as, as I would almost look at it, like there is a lot of opportunity for you if you understand the core fundamentals of the technology. That's where I think it can drive a lot of value for you as an individual is if you're able to understand the core tenants and the core fundamental principles of how blockchain is built and who are the players. Because there's, if you look at it, if you even go on to YouTube and say, hey, explain blockchain fundamentals to me, you'll find a ton of things, but there's no there's no there's very little information that you can actually be like yeah this is the core piece of blockchain and i get it and i'm i'm good now because then you start going into cryptocurrency and then you start looking at someone like healthcare industry they're trying to do something there there's an insurance firms that are trying to do something with blockchain so there's a lot of applications that can be built and that can leverage blockchain so that's why i said like just understanding and getting a foundational 
a solid foundation, I think will help help you immensely if you go into any of these different verticals, you have a use case that you can go and build on based on blockchain. Okay. As you can tell, I'm very passionate about this. I, <laughs> so. I, I can. I can. I, I, I'm sitting here going, huh, that's, that's not on my top list, but maybe I, maybe I need to look into that. <laughs> um, I, I want to touch on something. So you said at the beginning of the year, mm-hmm. you, you choose five things. Like, how did you pick that up and, and how do you how do you decide what you're going to focus on? Like, like, do you, is that just throughout your professional life or, or what is that process? So that's a good question. And a lot of people have asked me this and there's honestly, there's actually no science to it, to be honest with you. Uh, sometimes a lot of it is driven by what I'm working on mm-hmm. and where a lot of my customer focuses is uh, where my customers are focused on. And I just want to be more educated as I go talk to them in some of these areas. That's how uh, I got into public cloud as an example. Like uh, mm-hmm. last year, at the beginning of last year, a lot of my discussions were around, hey, how do you guys play in the space? How are you going to go, guys going to play in uh, AWS or Azure or whatever that public cloud endpoint is going to be? So I was like, hey, okay, I need to go learn some new skills. And that's where public cloud really came in. Containers is pretty much the same thing. Like, hey, I'm going talking to someone who is knee deep in Kubernetes. Like, I don't want to make a fool of myself. So I need to be somewhat uh, educated on this. Uh, Blockchain is somewhat similar in that aspect that, hey, if I'm talking to someone who is not necessarily knee deep in blockchain, but if they are asking certain aspects of a technology area, I just need, I need to know somewhat like, Hey, what are we talking about uh, at that point? So the, it's, it's not based on any science, but it's basically what I'm surrounded by a lot of times. Like uh, if I'm looking at certain areas, then that's my, that, that automatically just, and that, that kind of becomes the focus area for my, for the year. And sometimes it's also just driven by personal interest for me. Like, um, at the end of the day, I'm still a technologist, right? Like I like to go tinker with things. I like to go build little side projects that I can focus on. So it gives me something to work on. And sometimes it's, it has nothing to do with my day job at the end of the day. Like, um, I started building when we bought our condo, I was like, I want to make this into a fully functional e-home. So I went on this project to buy all these different components. And my wife probably thinks I'm crazy, but uh, that's just a side project that has nothing to do with what I do on a daily on in my day job. But some of these things just make it up to my 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 top list. Like uh, another area was I never really blogged. Uh, a lot of my friends actually would point that out and be like, "Hey, how come you don't blog? Like, the, how how, do, how is it that you don't have a blog? How do you, how is it that you don't write about any of these things?" So I'm like, oh, this year that's another thing that I I hope to do a little bit more. Like, have a blog, be able to write about things that I'm working on and share that with. Uh, with people who are interested in reading about those aspects, obviously. <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, so it, it just makes it way somehow or the other. So, so how you mentioned Udemy, like how obviously it's, it's one thing to say, like, how do you learn VMware stuff? You know, you work at VMware. So of course, you know, you have access to VMware training, but like other training, um, do you invest in that? yourself do you take courses like Uh like what does that process look like for you 
So it's a little bit of a mixed bag. Uh, I do like to take a formal course just because uh, a lot of times I'm I, I'm just not focused enough to actually uh, pay attention to what is actually being taught. Like I, I'll be looking at something, but I'm also actually doing like five other things in my mind. So I'm not mm-hmm. paying atten- full, full attention. So I'm a big believer in just actually going to a class as old school as that may sound. Uh, I do prefer to actually go to a class because then I can zone out everything. Uh, this is my time. I can pick up something, right? So I'm very fortunate to work at a company where they're very supportive of these kind of uh, training classes at the end of the day. So uh, I'm able to take advantage of uh, that aspect, number one. Number two is obviously like Udemy, plural site, like these have courses that you can obviously watch. And sometimes it's also just building small projects. Like um, AWS was one of those things where uh, a couple of friends of mine and I, we were like, hey, let's build parts of it. Like, hey, how do you go build an application? Like, I just want to build little projects that I can host in AWS. So that way I learn all the tenants that I need in AWS, as an example. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, if you consider Azure, it's the same kind of structure. Like I go build a couple things. So it gives me a little bit of more hands-on uh, kind of thing because uh, I've realized that I, I am still that person. Like I do need a little bit of dirt under my nails to understand how this thing really works. Like I, as much as I like to see stuff on a training slide, I do need to sort of touch and feel, break it a couple times, go back, uh, mm-hmm. read the manual and then figure out, hey, by the way, that's not supposed, that's not how you're supposed to do it and then kind of redo it. So a lot of my learning, uh, the in, in like deep learning and a lot of things like this comes from just working on it, breaking stuff and then putting it back together. And I, I, I heartily endorse that. <laughs> uh, you know, it's one thing, like, like some people, they go to a class and it's great. Um, but, you know, it, it's one thing when you do something in the, you know, amazing proctored, it's already been set up for you lab. Mm-hmm. But I've found, you know, um, perfect example is I'm working with a customer on a new version of a piece of software that we have that just came out. Mm-hmm. And I, I've done labs on it, right? Like the, the setup, you know, free labs that anybody can go do. Mm-hmm. Um, and they work perfectly because mm-hmm. somebody has gone through and like, okay, these are the things that you need to know. Um, it didn't necessarily work that way in real life. And man, I tell you what, I've had to dig through the API. I've had to dig through the GUI. I've had to dig through the command line and, and like actually get into the weeds. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's amazing how you don't realize you're learning that step product or that technology when you're trying to, you know, discuss, you know, when you're trying to solve a problem. Um, that's actually how I got into my technology career is that, um, growing up, I, you know, my family didn't have a ton of money. And so, you know, the best we could do was a 286. And I wanted to run Windows 3.1 for the sole purpose of running Microsoft Paint. Seems like a stupid goal right now. But man, (laughs) I had to learn about RAM and processors and high mem 386 and all this weird ass stuff that, you know, 
most 11 year olds didn't learn about because it was, I don't, I don't know. I just, you know, I make the lines and I fill it in with a paint bucket cause I can already run windows 3.1. Um, how did you, how did you choose technology? That I'm curious about that. That's a good question, actually. Like, uh, I think I, I go back all, all a couple of years and I always think about this. That, hey, how did I actually get into technology? And it was sort of by accident, to be honest. Like, it wasn't something that I really was super excited about or uh, growing up, like I, I'll go back and say the same thing. Like growing up, I was like any other kid. Like I was very distract, easily distracted and very easily mm-hmm. persuaded to go do something else. Like uh, growing up, I was like, Oh, I like uh, this stock market thing. Like it looks very interesting. There's a lot of math. There's a lot of things. Oh, I should go do this maybe. And then someone was like, Oh, by the way, you should go and check out the uh, engineering. That's also pretty good. I'm like, Oh, that's also nice. So I, I was like that shy kid who was like, oh, shiny toy. I should go try this. <laughs> but little did I know that like once you enroll in engineering, it's like four years of engineering and that's all you do. So that's how I stumbled into uh, engineering college, I would say. And then uh, somewhere along the way, like I think it was like the fourth year of engineering. So again, like the way the, the way the Indian education system is structured and the way I think the American system is for undergraduate degrees, especially, is uh, you're put on a track and saying, here, you want to become an electrical engineer, here's all the things you need to know, and go. And there's very little deviation from what you actually want to do. So, like, even though I had very little interest in learning about uh, circuit boards and printed circuit boards and building uh, whatever uh, dynamo meters and whatnot, uh, you're still going to learn all of that stuff. And towards the end, there was one class which taught networking. Uh, and surprisingly, that that's the class that caught my attention. And I was like, ooh, this is interesting. This does not have anything to do with uh, circuit boards and things like that. Because by then I was like, yeah, I'm kind of done. Like I have no interest in going forward with this, yeah, yeah. this stuff. And that's how I stumbled into networking. And at, at that point, it was very, very like high level. Like, hey, this is your OSI TCP stack and blah, blah, blah. And here you go. And that's when I was like, oh, I think I need to go do some of this more. And my sister was at that time a huge influence. Like she was already a developer uh, in America. So she was here uh, working at that time. And then she was like, hey, you should really consider uh, going to school, getting a master's degree at this time, because guess what? If you do start working, chances are you'll probably not go back to school. So if you're in, if you're in this process of studying, you might as well go uh, get your master's as well. And she was a big influence of, on me getting a master's degree. And so she, was a, she, was, she persuaded me and was a big influence in me coming to America to begin with and also getting my master's degree at that time. So let's talk, let's talk degrees a little bit. And I want to take it from sort of two perspectives and they're, they're both going to be uh, us centric because Mm -hmm. you know, that's where we're at. I I don't necessarily (laughs) know, uh, how other markets are, but so, um, degree wise, Mm -hmm. how do you feel a degree? At what point do you think a degree is almost necessary to proceed forward versus 
you know, it may not be relevant? That's a good question. Like, it's it's sometimes it, a lot of my friends that I've spoken to who are either in the military or they were they did not have the resources to go to a formal four-year college degree, uh, they're doing just as well. Uh, I know a friend of mine, he did not, uh, I believe he did not finish his thing, finish his undergraduate degree, but he's doing extremely well for himself uh, career-wise. Like he, he, he works for a very large company and he's doing extremely well for himself. But at the same time, like when I look at someone like my wife as an example, right? Like she, she works for, for a very good company, but career progression in her case uh, is kind of dependent on a couple of things like, uh, hey, do you have a, uh, a management degree that helps you understand finances as an example? Mm-hmm. Just being a technologist is not enough. In, in her field where she's building products for a mass market, understanding the financial viability and how do you take something to the market and do all that kind of stuff becomes a challenge. So they that they require you or they will no company will ever say that hey i require this certain degree but it's always going to be this is preferred so i would almost interpret that as like hey let me at least get a baseline degree so that i will at least be in contention so that should never be the case for me to not be considered you know what i mean mm-hmm. like as, as much as possible like if i'm at a point where and i get it there're challenges for everyone right like financial economic whatever the challenges are not everyone can afford the same level of education so but if you have any resources to put you across and make and bring you up to speed or bring or help you level the playing field with anyone else i would absolutely encourage them to take advantage of it to at least put you in a spot where no one can ever say that hey yeah the only reason we didn't consider you was because you didn't have a four year degree it, it that should never be the the deciding factor you should at least make an effort to put yourself in a spot where you can be like, yeah, I, I, at all things, even let's, let's talk about why I'm a better candidate than the other person. Yeah. So, all right. So let's focus on, I, I, you have a really unique vantage point that's, it's a little bit different than some of the other people that I talked to in that you are working with these, um, decision makers day in and day out. So, um, you know, what is one, what is one thing that you feel like, um, I guess leadership in, in technology really stumbles with that you wish they understood? Um, because maybe that would resonate with my, (laughs) My listeners, like, man, you know, I wish CIOs really understood X, or I really wish directors really understood Y. Mm-hmm. I think it's a couple things, right? I think I'll answer this in two ways. Like, I think it goes both ways, like from the technology side to the to the decision makers and the CIO CTOs of the world side. Mm-hmm. Is uh, number one, I think, is as technologists, sometimes we. We, we tend to focus on the 
the coolness of a product or a feature or something, right? Like uh, I was having this conversation with actually one of my coworkers about containers. Uh, like, hey, why is containers so great? As an example, I was like, and we were like, we were just uh, trying to understand like what are the use cases, where would you use it, things like that. And we, at the end of the day, at the end of the thing, like uh, we had another another person in the conversation, and they were like, you guys all forgot the why. Like, why are you using containers to begin with? Like you 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 were so focused on the the fact that I'm going to use this versus that versus I'm going to do all of these cool things but as technologists we tend to forget why are we doing it to begin with right that's that's i think one big thing that i would always encourage uh, people to ask like hey if you're being told to go build an application if you're told, being told to go build something i think it's very good to understand what is it what is it going to help drive right if i'm able to drive a revenue generating thing i need to know that i need to understand that and that'll help me design a better product from a technologist aspect from from the top down approach like if if I look at it from a CIO CTO's approach and going going to the engineers, I would always implore them to go and understand the same thing. That if you can provide a little bit of background to your engineering staff and your technology staff and go like, you know what, guys, this is the reason we're building it. It will help drive so much more efficiency in the process. And rather than saying this is the project and go go build it, if you're able to provide some metrics around it, even to engineers and say this is the reason why I want you to go build this. I think they would be so much more enthusiastic about building something. And those are the, those are the two things I would think, like if you, if we all can kind of agree on the same um, few things as to like the why, why are we doing certain things? I think it'll help uh, everyone out immensely. Yeah, that's so true because uh, it's funny when you start a project, especially um, when not consulting wise, but when you're, you know, when you're actually at an organization, it's like, oh, we're doing this thing and nobody knows why we're doing this thing, but we're just doing this thing. Um, that That's so true. Like I think of projects that I've had in the past and then you, you actually find out six months later, oh, it's because we're doing this other thing that the business is requiring. Oh, well, God, we probably would have worked on that a little bit harder if we knew what was coming, what was coming down the pipe, you know? Yeah, exactly. It helps you prioritize your time. Like you're not, I think a lot of companies can save a lot of time and energy in that, that aspect, right? Like if you're able to convey that upfront, uh, you're, you're not building snowflakes all the time. Like you're building, everyone is pointing in the same direction and you're all building something that's going to help move the needle forward. Right. Yeah, totally. So, Okay. I I have just a, a quick question. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I am curious. Um, how do you feel about is because you're you're on the East Coast. Mm-hmm. How do you feel about diversity within tech? Do you feel like it's changing? Do you feel like it's the same? Like like what's your vantage point from that? Oh, I I definitely think we can be doing a lot better. Uh, It's not great, to be honest, uh, Mm -hmm. when it comes to technology, especially. Uh, Other areas are getting a little better, but to put it extremely bluntly, I think it is, it's pretty poor in my opinion, like how we're unable to have 
diversity in this this one area. Like it's, I know a lot of great women engineers. My wife being one of them. Mm-hmm. But the the fact that we're not able to incentivize or bring them into prominence is something that I think as an industry we need to definitely be doing a lot more. No doubt. For sure. For sure. Okay. So here's the thing, Prabhu. Mm-hmm. We are getting towards the end of our interview, and this is when I hand I hand the floor over to you, and you can you can talk about what you're excited about, like what are your what are your goals, and and like what what do you want to tell people about? It can be anything. I just had an episode that released, and my guest talked about how much she loved Dance Dance Revolution. I was not <laughs> expecting that, but hey, it's good. So. Well, you know, I'll just leave people with the, this one thought. And I think I touched upon this in the process, right? Like mm-hmm. the, the importance of building your own brand. I think that is something that has nothing to do with technology, has nothing to do with uh, any particular skill that you may have or not have, right? It's just one of those things that it's very easy to do. But I think if you can focus a little bit of time and energy on building your brand, I think it'll take you... take anyone and if they, if in, through this entire one hour thing people have not got anything out of it and they want to take away one thing i would say just focus on building your own brand uh this is not just in technology i think any field yeah use the time uh, use the time and energy to build your yourself no one is going to do that for you that is something that is completely in your hands and you can take it as high as you want and you can not do anything and completely mess it up it is 100% in your hands to uh, take care of that very cool well if people want to find you Prabhu how do they find you online well they can find me on LinkedIn uh, and Twitter I will tweet I I we tweet fairly regularly and uh, some of my tweets can be <laughs> can be pretty funny i think it's pretty funny at least but uh, but yeah they can find me on twitter uh, it's p r a b h u underscore b or uh, they can find me on linkedin or if you want to be friends on facebook you can you can look me up on facebook as well <laughs> awesome well prabhu thank you so much for your time today and if you want to get in touch with prabhu i'm going to put his contact details on uh, the show notes and hey just thank thank you so much for taking time to be with us thank you anytime have a good one all right you too bye